Welcome to Soul Sense. I'm Mark Verkler, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. We've got Rod Beck here with us, and he's a licensed professional counselor here in Texas. He works at Samaritan's Well. And we're going to be talking about some couples counseling issues, particularly in the area of reconciliation and forgiveness. And both of us work with couples, so I wanted to have Rod come in and talk a little bit about that. Rod, um, Tell us a little bit about, you know, what are some of your first thoughts in working with couples in the areas, you know, we talked about reconciliation yeah. and, of course, the all-important area of forgiveness. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, it's essential, the forgiveness aspect, especially in relationships. I find that when couples come in, a lot of times uh, communication is a major issue. Uh, they're not acknowledging their needs to one another. Uh, they've been hurt in the past. Uh, they've not felt maybe a lot of times forgiven by the other person, mm-hmm. and that creates a lot of resentment that builds up and anger and uh, eventually the couple begins feeling isolated like they're in this relationship all by themselves and which what, is problematic that's good rod and so like i have couples come in and like you said they're they're feeling isolated what do you start with first typically like is it like I know a lot of counselors do it a little different way. Do you want to hear their story? Do you have them both talk together? Do you have them take turns? What do you typically do? Yeah, I typically have them take turns. And it's interesting, Mark, that you bring that up. Because initially when couples come in, I find the first uh, emphasis is for each one to tell me what the other person needs to do to change. And they'll spend maybe the first five to ten minutes telling me, you know, here's the problem sitting across from me. And if this person changes in these ways, our marriage will be fine. Fine. Uh-huh. So after listening to that, I get them to focus more on the fact that the only person we can ultimately change is ourselves. And we get in trouble when we try to control somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so I had them look at, then I'll turn it around and I'll say, okay, what things are you going to take and do intentionally to make this relationship work? So I try to change the focus right from the very beginning from it being, hey, this other person, I'm the victim here, the other person's the problem, to, hey, what do I need to look at? Mm-hmm. Because in any relationship, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all have things that we have to deal with and talk about. And uh, it's sometimes it's a lot easier to look at another person's issues than it is our own. So It really is. I remember this scripture that says, no strife comes without pride. <laughs> right, that isn't and it. And so <laughs> I go in and I'm saying, my wife needs to do this and this and this and this. And somebody goes, yeah, but what about you, Mark? Right. You know, uh-huh. so it's 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 really important it, it, finding that balance. I've noticed we want to hear their story. We want them to you know be able to to express themselves. Sure. But then we have to begin saying, what can you change and what can you not change? Right. And we begin to asking both of them that. Sure. You know, I remember hearing this um, years ago that a fifty fifty relationship doesn't work because. I'm constantly going to be comparing, well, I'm doing my half, but my spouse is not doing their half. Right. And then I'm either going to be dropping down to what I presume they're doing or trying to manipulate them into coming up to where I certainly am. Exactly, exactly. And that's kind of part of the process, right? Right, it certainly is. Yeah. 
Yeah, most people are pretty uh, poor judge of distance, too, uh, how far they're willing to give. We, we have a tendency to think that we're doing more giving in the relationship than maybe we actually are. Yeah. So I think we can be deceived sometimes, feeling like I'm the one that always gives in or I'm the one that always sacrifices, when in reality, after I talk to them, I realize they're, mo- they're both making efforts and changes to try to make it work. I think another thing that happens, Mark, is that uh, a lot of times uh, there's needs in a relationship, obviously, and they don't get expressed. So there's a lot of guests that goes on and I don't know about you but I'm not a very good guesser yeah and a lot of times I see that especially with couples that they'll have expectations that they have Mm -hmm. and they'll say to the other person you know you should have been able to figure this out sure and when in reality the other person didn't even know that uh, you know their spouse had a particular need so I think really working on communication is essential to getting them to acknowledge their need uh, needs up front is really really important and most people are not really that all that comfortable with that I find that's really good, Rod. I, I think there's some confusion about expectations. Mm-hmm. I've heard some pastors and some teachers actually say, well, the best way to have a good relationship is to have no expectations. And I tell people, you couldn't even drive home without expectations. <laughs> right. I expect them to stop when they get a red light and I get a green light. Exactly. You know? right. So I tell people, we don't deny our expectations but we really don't demand them either. That's good. I like Except that. in some rare cases, you know? And right. so I agree with you. I think that's one of the most important things in marriage counseling is to talk about expectations right. and to get some clarity about them. Exactly. You know, and how do you find, I'll go ahead and go a little deeper, Rod, but how do you find expectations get set up? Because I've seen so many times where it's like, you know, the wife's dad was always gone, and maybe now she wants the husband to always be home. Right. Or maybe she wants him to always be, be gone. gone. You know, <laughs> Depending on but the it, circumstances. But there's a lot of that that happens, right? The expectations were set right. in maybe my childhood family of origin, and then I'm bringing it into here without even necessarily communicating it. Right. Now, you're right on, Mark, exactly. I find that that's the case oftentimes. A lot of times people don't realize how much they were impacted and are still impacted by their family of origin and if things were done a certain way in the family that they grew up with Uh if uh, people played certain specific roles they kind of had that expectation you know if my dad was this way then my husband will be this way well uh, he came from a very different background than her father may have Mm -hmm. and so you already have expectations that are not being expressed and obviously not being met because you're making assumptions and when we assume a lot of times we get into trouble that's really good It's really good. And I think that's so important. And part of what I find with my couples is we'll come in and let's say that we're talking about expectations. Of course, sometimes it's a very specific area where there's been an offense. Mm -hmm. You know, husband's gone too much with his buddies or wife is doing this too much or whatever is spending too much, whatever the case may be. And so we talk about expectations today. We talk about some of those, you know, where those come from, like family of origin and things. And then as we go a little deeper, what I found is there actually can can be some work on even sometimes forgiving mom or dad for certain things. Dad was always gone traveling or mom was busy with her clubs or whatever. And if we can work on owning and grieving and forgiving maybe something deeper, then we can bring it into the relationship today. Right. 
You know, I think that's wonderful. And I think sometimes people are even fearful of therapy because they have the mindset, you're going to tell me all the things my father or mother did wrong (laughs) when I was growing up, and I don't want to grow to hate them. No. And so I think uh, we all are sinners, all saved by grace, Mm -hmm. uh, those that know the Lord. And I think it's really imperative that we're able to forgive people for the mistakes they made, uh, for the shortcomings that they had. Mm -hmm. And then that frees us up not to play that victim role and say, okay, yeah, it's true. My mom and dad did these particular things and I was impacted by them but now I'm an adult and I have choices and I don't have to carry those things with me I can begin to see my spouse in a different light that's right that is so good and I agree with you Um, we, we don't look at any of those beginning points so we can find someone to blame right we look at the beginning points so we can get to the root right and then we can forgive we can grieve and we can bring it into our current day, right. right? I think that's where there's a lot of confusion. Oh, if you go see Mark or if you go see Rod, they may talk to you about what your mom did or your dad right. did. I get that sometimes, but it's it's not so we can blame mom or dad. I mean, I've got four adult kids too. I don't want to blame <laughs> me for everything, right, you know? Right. But, but it's about getting to the root so you can grieve it, forgive it, and release it. And of course, we remember the definition of a dysfunctional family is any family with two or more members. So I think if you start with that, you can go, hey, my family wasn't perfect. Our marriage is not perfect, but we're trying to make it you know, the best we can. Right. Let's talk about forgiveness for a minute. What have you found, Rod, to be really important in trying to work through forgiveness? Right. Because like you said, most of our couples come in with sometimes some real significant unforgiveness, right. whether they recognize it or own it or not. Sure, exactly, Mark. Good question. Yeah, I think a lot of times uh, with forgiveness, you know, we know in the Bible and uh, first um, John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. I think a lot of times people know that in their head, but they have trouble believing it in their heart. Mm. And so part of what I try to do is help them internalize God's forgiveness. Because I know even early on when I came to know the Lord, I had a lot of scripture verses, so I knew intellectually what it meant, but I really didn't believe that God really forgave me. And I think the first step in that is to realize that his forgiveness is for everyone and it's real. And the more I can bring that from my head down into my heart, the more experientially I can begin to live that out then with other people in my life. And so uh, that that would be in terms of forgiveness between God and us. Yes. Uh, I also think it's really important that we forgive one another too. Yeah. In James 5, 6, we're to confess our sins uh, to one another and pray to one another. Mm-hmm. So not only are we to have confession to our God, our Heavenly Father, but it's really important that we do that with each other. And then it goes on to talk about so we don't give the devil a foothold. And so I think the benefit of forgiveness between one another is when we don't do that, we have a tendency sometimes to harbor that anger and sin that we have. Mm-hmm. And Satan wants us to go to there that place because then we isolate mm-hmm. and then we start making assumptions. And our anger generally will come out in other ways. Either we'll be passive aggressive or sarcastic. So when we choose not to forgive, the ramifications of that are pretty severe mm-hmm. uh, for ourselves because that's why God commands us to, you know, forgive one another and to love one another. Yeah, that's so when, so that, when that breaks down, it creates a lot of other problems. It ultimately, it leads to depression for someone, too, because when we feel isolated, we spend more time to ourselves, have more negative self-talk. It's kind of a domino effect from there. Well, and Rod, I'm glad you brought that up because the old school definition of depression 
is anger turned inward. Mm -hmm. Now that could be toward my spouse, could be toward myself, could be toward God. Right. You know? And so you combine these two passages that James 5 is confess your faults one to another, pray for one another so that you may be healed. And so I'll just give you one other passage, Matthew 5, 25, I always remember it five squared, you Mm -hmm. know, is agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him. And so there's this power of agreement. And and I think one of the most powerful things I could bring to couples is start to get them into the habit of going, yes, I was wrong. You know, it's Uh, hard to say. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Will you forgive me for that? And, you know, we could do a whole series on the language of apology, which is great. But then you mentioned the Ephesians 4 passage where it says, be angry and yet do not not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Right. And you are right. It is that word opportunity is the word for place. I think the Greek word is like topos or mm. something like that. You may remember that from seminary, but, right. but it's the it's it's literally a place in your soul. And so here we are with our couples and like you said, they typically come in with, well, if she would do this and this, or if he would stop this, and if she would do this. Now, sometimes they come in with one big issue, right. which is true. We get that, sure. right? But then it's some, a lot of times it's, it's, a, it's a combination of things. And so we begin to hear the story, and we begin to find out, okay, what do you need to forgive this person for? Right. And, and and sometimes I'll have them write a letter that's a little bit reversing the tables, a little bit like you were talking about. I want you to write a letter, and I want you to say all of the things you think your spouse might need to forgive you for, just possibly, right. macro and micro. Right. And they'll read it to them in the session. Mm-hmm. And usually I get a lot of agreement from the other spouse. <laughs> right, I'm sure you, uh, you did miss a couple things, but that was pretty good. Yeah, pretty right? right on. But one of the things about forgiveness, like you were talking about head knowledge versus mm-hmm. heart knowledge, mm-hmm. I found that if you can go from, okay, you agree with your adversary. We even talked about, yes, I did sin. I did hurt my spouse. I did do that. Now you agree with your advocate mm-hmm. because first John, and you mentioned, you mentioned James, but first John one, I think you can, conf- you mentioned that too, or first John two says we have an advocate, mm-hmm. right? So he's our defense attorney right. and he stands up once we confess the sin sure. in the courtroom and says, I forgive you. Right. And then the judge, Judge's gavel comes down and says, you know, you're forgiven, you can go, and then we give thanks. Right. And if I can get couples to the place of not only confessing, but forgiving each other and thanking each other for the forgiveness, right. they're going in the right direction. Exactly, right. They certainly are. Yeah. And I'd just like to add to that, Mark. I think you're right on. I find a lot of times, uh, you know, people say they're sorry for what they did. Yeah. And they'll make a general apology. And that's not bad in and of itself. But I heard it said one time in a, a service I was actually in that it's really important that we acknowledge our sins. So when yep. we go a step farther and just say, hey, I'm sorry I offended you, but also uh, can I ask for your forgiveness? Yes. There's something very healing in that because God wants us to invite him into the process. And at that point, I'm acknowledging that I sinned against you. Yes. You know, my behavior was in such a way that it 
it was offensive towards you and I hurt you. That's good. And so I really like to go that one step farther instead. Because a lot of times I was hear couples say, well, I'm sorry. Well, that's kind of like saying, well, I'm sorry you felt bad. You know, yeah. it's not really the other person taking responsibility. You don't want to do the halfway apology. No, and no. I'm sorry that you feel bad about right. that. But <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. When you can own it specifically, listen, I shouldn't have yelled at you. Right. I, I, I promised I wouldn't, you know, spend over this amount. That was wrong. Right. And then to ask for forgiveness, which takes another level of humility. Right. That's powerful. Yeah, I think it's going a little bit deeper. And the other person, uh, I think a lot of, appreciates it more so, too, because yeah. they know you're recognizing your shortcomings, which we all have. Uh, right. We're all sinners, right? Right. And so they're recognizing that and they're acknowledging it and they're inviting God into the process because mm -hmm. he's the ultimate author of forgiveness. He died on a cross for us. That's so good. Tell us a, tell us a, an example of something that, you know, went right with a couple that was a just a a positive thing you can remember? Yeah, I think a lot of couples, and I, I don't want to stereotype men and women, but God did make us different. There's yeah. no doubt about it. And I think a lot of times I see, you know, again, that women want to be heard and understood. Men want to be problem solvers by nature. Right, right. Uh, I've seen couples actually has been reversed a few times, mm -hmm. but for the most part, it's males want to problem solve and females the opposite. Right. Uh, I had a couple I was working with uh, not too long ago, mm -hmm. and every time the woman just wanted to be heard and felt and understood, she would go to her husband with this issue. Okay. And he was a mechanical engineer, so his mind went to mm -hmm. what he does best. Mm -hmm. And he would say, well, honey, what you need to do is A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. And if you do these three things, your problem is resolved. Mm -hmm. She would leave the room at that point crying a lot of times, feeling like he still doesn't get me. Yeah. And what she really wanted was for him just to maybe put his arm around her, say, I love you. Yeah. That must be hard for you that you're going through that. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that later he couldn't share his uh, perspective on what needs to be done. Sure. But I think initially when people come to us, sometimes they want to be heard and understood more than given advice to. Yeah. And so uh, this one couple I worked with in particular, that was a big issue because his inclination being a, um, an engineer was to always problem fix, you know, and yeah. he was very good at that. You know, sure. if your car was broken down or you had sure. a light that needed repair, he was the guy. It can come in handy. <laughs> very much so. Absolutely. And she appreciated those qualities about him. Yeah. But uh, on the other hand, a lot of times she just wanted to be loved and heard. That's so good that is so good rod because you know in james chapter one it says be slow to speak and quick to hear right right and somebody said well god gave us two ears and just one mouth so we should remember it that way right right and so so many times husbands go into problem solving or they're not being patient and all they really have to do is slow down and listen right and don't problems think if you're going to problem solve think about what your wife really needs right she needs to be listened to right. and cared for at that moment right. right and if you'll do that we can get to the other stuff later exactly that's so good. Exactly. And I'll even have couples that have a tendency to do that. The one that's the problem solver. Yeah. Uh, I'll have, uh, you know, the other person share what they're feeling. And then I won't allow him to problem solve. I'll say, you, you know, repeat back to her what she said, which is just a reflective listening sure. skill. Or ask her at this point, what do you need from me? Mm -hmm. That's a very loving question to that's offer good. to somebody because she will tell him. She's that's dying good. to tell him, right? That's good. And so it gives her the opportunity to be saying, okay, this is what I need from you right now. But a lot of times we don't think to ask that question because our mind goes to let's solve the problem yeah. as quick, 
quickly as possible. And sometimes just by asking the question, what do you need from me right now? It allows the other person to open up. And they, sometimes they have to think about it because they don't know their need right, right. away. And, and sometimes so, they have to work a little on forgiveness so they can tell what they exactly. need and not just go, I'm so mad at you right now. <laughs> right, right. Because we always hear each other when we're not being attacked. We hear each other much better. So that's why that forgiveness aspect is so very important that yeah. we offer that to each other before we move into this other section. That is so good. That is so good. Well, we've covered some good things. Can you think of anything else? We're just, you know, we talked a little bit about forgiveness and reconciliation and some basic startup and some tools in working with couples, but anything else that you'd like to bring up that's kind of in this area that you know, yeah, I think a lot of times we have a tendency, uh, especially people in churches, uh, you know, if a couple's struggling, they go in on Sunday morning and they see the happy family sitting next mm-hmm. to each other and they make the assumption that we're the only ones that have these issues or oh, these problems. Yes. And that, that assumption can get us into trouble sometimes mm-hmm. because when they come in and I listen to them, I'll think this is everybody pretty much has right. this problem. But it's unfortunate because it keeps some people from coming forward and getting help mm-hmm. because they feel like we'll be stigmatized or people in the church will look down on us or see us differently when nothing could be further from the truth because generally when we're transparent and we share that allows us to better minister to other people because a lot of times they're going through the very same things that we are it's just that they're afraid to acknowledge it too so that first step of being transparent and i think god calls us to do that to be courageous and step out and say hey i'm struggling right now and then we admit our dependence on god because he's the ultimate healer Uh, so that and it's a way to die to our pride too that all of us carry around. Yeah, and we kind of started the talk today talking a little bit about pride, right? right? The Bible says no strife happens without pride. So we have to get to that, but that's for all of us, right? Sure. The Bible talks about in 1 Peter 5 that we have to be clothed with humility. And any time in Scripture, it took me a while to figure this out, but any time in Scripture when it says be clothed with something, yeah. it's like you have to keep putting it on. Right. You don't just put on your clothes once. <laughs> All right. You have to put it on every day. It's a process. So that may be a good place for us to, 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 to stop. But thank you so much, Rod. Sure. Thank you for, for taking the this. time to meet with me. I appreciate hey, it. I enjoyed it. And thanks for working with Samaritans well. Um, that's all for Soul Sense today. I hope you enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, you can reach us on SamaritansWell.com.